This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. And so I've entitled this message, Warrior or Warrior. Okay, Warrior or Warrior. Okay, so I want us to jump to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. I don't know if we're going to get past the first slide, but let's try and go, go there. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. And just hi to all the people streaming in from all over, all the students, all those people. Did you get that, Tony? Okay, okay. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Um, it's such a loaded scripture with so many things but he says be anxious for nothing and I think we need to remind ourselves a lot be anxious for nothing so if you are anxious and you worry and you're stressed you are sinning because it's it's not it's not a try to be anxious for nothing it says be anxious for nothing it's a command it's, it's amazing how, how sometimes you read scripture and it's a, scripture should sometimes challenge you a lot, not sometimes, most of the time. Because he says, this is a state of being God wants us to enter in. He says, be anxious for nothing. But if we're really honest, how many of you stress this week or some, some other thing, you know? Come on. I just stressed today by driving to Franz Hook and there were like 10 people in front of me and this big truck and this big truck was just keeping us and I was late and I was thinking like when I get to that truck in front I'm gonna sit on that hooter and I'm gonna bless you you know not like with negative words bless with positive words but it's gonna come with a bit of an attitude the Lord bless you and keep you far away from me no 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 that's not what you can say the Lord bless you and keep you on the road but so be anxious for nothing means that you and I can enter into a place with God, which almost seems like this is impossible. How many would think like it's almost impossible not to stress in the modern day times, but scripture puts that standard out there. Be anxious for nothing. You know, sometimes I, I think I grew up in a home where we prayed a prayer when we ate food and we said, Lord, um, we, we thank you that we can be get to be together and please make us thankful for the food you know and then and you think like okay um, lord bless us while we eat together but and please make us thankful um, but you know that concept is not scriptural at all being thankful is the concept it's very scary if you start praying say lord please make me thankful uh, you are thankful or you're not thankful and i think the challenge is with a modern individualistic society is we are so focused on ourselves that we struggle with that we struggle and we get anxious over little things that sometimes is first world problems i'm not belittling our problems tonight but god knows our needs god knows our wants but do you know that most of the world do not know where their next meal is going to come from? Most of the world, probably about 65% to 70% of the world will have one sort of decent meal per day. 
I opened the cupboard this morning and I thought like, future life, pronutro, wheat peaks, three choices. Most of the world has got no cupboard. They live from day to day. And so, so just starting with the basics of our lives, we should say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you that we are the privilege of the privilege. And that's why in this, this whole book of Philippians, there's a challenge to people that would so easily settle down and so easily get comfortable and so easily will we'll sort of draw back and, and then it's so easy to get negative. But he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So he said, look, it's fine if we ask God. It's fine when we made, make our request known to God. But there's, there's a certain group of people and Christians that become worshipers and they are thankful. You know, we had this um, one, one couple, a married couple, that came to serve on the summer camp. And, and I just said to him, if, I, I said to him after the summer camp today, I said to him, if the Lord speaks to you, I know he's going to speak to you about coming to Stellenbosch and serving in the church. Because if the Lord gives me 20 couples like you, we will change the world. You know, last night at quarter to 12, this couple, this lady was still, now they've got two children. The children were sent to the grandparents because they want to serve the young people. They did all the media. The lady made coffee in all the spare time. And then quarter to 12 in the night, she was still hanging little stuff on just to say, hey, this is so. And so when the, when the kids got baptized today, they, they, the, the guy was, husband was just standing weeping. And he said, what a privilege to be part of what God is doing. I said, Lord, give us people like that, you know. People that don't criticize, they're negative, but people that have say, said, We've been with God. We've seen. We've tasted of His goodness. And I, I know you're getting very quiet, but I'm, I'm challenging us to make some shifts. Especially at the end of the year when everybody's tired, you, you can make some choices. And that's why it says, be anxious for nothing but through prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. So, so ask God. God is open. He's our Father. He wants to supply in all your needs and all your wants and all that stuff. But for a different reason. It's so that there's, there's thanksgiving that you must bring to the table because if we lose that thanksgiving what begins to happen is is we be something changes in our hearts we become hardened of hearts and and that's why scripture is so clear it says it's not about the outward it's not about the stuff we do but it's a simply a condition of your heart and if you lose the thankfulness you will lose the peace and the joy of the lord and then you will begin to look at your circumstances You'll, you'll begin to look at people around you. You'll, you'll, you'll begin to see stuff and, and you'll begin to, your eyes will begin to change because your heart has changed. The Bible talks about a hardened heart. And so it's a daily thing, you know. <laughs> Scripture says in Deuteronomy already, the Lord says, hey, um, remind the Lord of His promises. Remind Him of the things. Not because God forgets, but because you and I need to remind ourselves of what God said and what God did. And so, as Christians, we sometimes have bad cultures because we don't really have a culture of celebration. We don't have a culture of breakthrough and, and, and celebrating it with, you know. But the Bible is clear. It said to us, even the lady that lost the coins, you know, it says when she, she was searching for the coins and when she got the lost coins, she called all the neighbors together and had a massive party, <laughs> And said, the coin is found. I wonder if the party didn't cost more than the, the value of the coin. 
Because it's not about the value of the coin. It's the fact that the coin has been found. And then when, when God does a little breakthrough in your life, call everyone together and say, I want to testify. I want to share. And that's why the church is so silent. Because we've lost something basic to Christianity. It's called thankfulness. It's called a worshiper. Because it comes out of a condition of our hearts. And, and this is the promise that he gives us. He says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. It says that when, when you enter into that place, a God will be put around your heart and your mind. And there will come a peace in your life. You will, you'll start to live from a position that is so amazing, it will surpass understanding. It, people walk up to you and say like, I cannot understand why you did not like swear when that happened. You are so peaceful when it comes, when everything around you falls apart. But why is that? It is supernatural. But the key is that of thanksgiving. <laughs> and that's why, you know, the Jews, whenever they would have a festival, there were a couple of festivals in the year that all the Jews had to go up to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is on the hill. And so as they would go up, um, doesn't matter how they felt. It wasn't about emotional thing. They had to sing certain songs. It's called the songs of ascent. I always thought, like, who wrote, who was ascent in the Bible, you know? But it's the songs of ascent because as they would travel up, they had to sing songs. I was glad when they said to me, let's go up to the house of the Lord. Let us enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Lenny, read that scripture tonight thanks Lenny you confirmed the message of the evening so so it wasn't about how they felt it wasn't about just like trying this or trying that every Jew had to sing that because God said you're gonna need this because something is gonna happen the condition of your heart is gonna be pure there's gonna be a God around your heart and the world and the devil and the criticism and the fears and all that stuff wants to change the condition of your heart would you agree because if you wake up and you didn't sleep lacquer and there's been like a lot of stuff, then you're like, someone like miff for the rest of the day. Because what? Then you can't give. Then you're always going to be a consumer. You're always going to want more. And God wants you to come to a place of overflowing so that you can give out freely. Thanks for that. Amen. That was a good place to say amen. Okay. Now listen to, there's a guy in scripture, Nehemiah. Um, Nehemiah was in the king's palace he was a cupbearer and at this stage god started to work in nehemiah's life and it's sort of a picture of the church a picture of of christians today in a broken world and so so there was the city and it's amazing the concept um of cities with walls around them cities being protected and it's a beautiful picture of the individual it's a beautiful picture of the church um god wants us to be cities he wants your life to be protected you know um it's, it's, the scripture says that a man with a broken spirit is like a like a city without walls unprotected there's no boundaries there's no and so nehemiah had this dream to rebuild the walls of jerusalem because he he realized like he is so blessed in this place but um out of that place of blessing through came thanksgiving and then suddenly a burden of the lord and so listen to this in Nehemiah 1 he says so it was that when i heard these words and 
that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you will keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Verse 20, so in, in chapter 2, when he looked, he says, So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore we servants will rise and build, but you have no heritage or right. This is what he said to the enemies. But so when you look at the attitude that Nehemiah had, he was so blessed, but when he came to God, he didn't say, Oh God, when are you going to do something? When are you going to do And no, 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 because he realized that something had to start in his own heart. The way that he looked, the way that he perceived, the way that he saw God was again. And then suddenly God started to change his heart. Suddenly God started to show him how he felt, how God felt about Jerusalem that had no walls. And, and when God starts to touch us, when God starts to show you, you know, something begins to happen. I was thinking this last week on, on, um, on just the, the lepers, the 10 lepers that, that was healed by Jesus. Um, and so lepers, if you don't know, lepers is ba basically their skin rot, their, their, their flesh rot, and, and lepers were banned out of the community. No contact, no relationship, no connection. And so um, these lepers would always like stand on a hill and were not allowed to come. And whenever they would come close to people, they had actually to, they had to shout, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Um, so there was a lot of rituals in the Jewish context, especially for lepers. And so Jesus encountered these 10 lepers. Amazing. And he wasn't afraid to go right into their space and into that smell and into that rejected group of people. So he walks to these lepers and uh, 10 of them, they, they all get healed. Now, now imagine this. Imagine you have been banned from any social connection with the community you're literally an outcast and people look at you they smell you they just like you're going to die on your own and you're this little group you are the rotten group of community jesus comes and suddenly he heals you for the first time he gives you life he sort of he sort of like touches you in a way that that is just like nobody can and and this is crazy. The Bible says these 10 now, they, they, they go off and they say, whoa. And they've received their healing. And as they go, Jesus sort of talks to his disciples and he realizes like, whoa, where's, where are these lepers? Not one actually came back. And then eventually one came back, comes back and says, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. I've received so much. I can just imagine that conversation, this guy weeping. Crying. The, the rest receive a blessing and there they go. Nine out of ten, but one comes back. And then the most amazing thing happens. Jesus gives that one guy a command. He gives him an instruction. He says, this is amazing. Where's the other nine? They're not here, but you've come back. But now I'm going to actually show you the purpose of your healing. I want you to go to the priests in Jerusalem I want you going to go and tell them what happened to you. And then this one guy goes to the priests because if you know a bit of the Old Testament, you'll realize one of the prophecies in Isaiah was the fact that Jesus would come and heal lepers. 
So it was one of these signs that Jesus was the Messiah. And obviously these priests and all these people in Jerusalem, they were very negative about Jesus. And here comes this one leper, walks up to Jerusalem, he says, I've been healed. Nobody else could do it. And everybody knew that this had to be Jesus. So Jesus, although he confronted the Pharisees, he confronted the Sadducees, there were a lot of priests, the scripture says, that actually came to salvation. I believe one of the main reasons because of one leper that went back. Because the other miracles did not really qualify, but this one did. And so he actually came into the full purpose, and it started through thanksgiving. So there's, there's something powerful that happens when we thank the Lord. Not just in our hearts, God actually sets you up. Not just to be a testimony, but it's a spiritual tool to change the atmosphere around you. Many people don't know that. It's not just, hey, am I thankful or am I not thankful? It's part of a spiritual discipline that Christians should do. To be assigned to the unbelievers, to be assigned to the people around us. You know, there's this one um, girl, she's not here tonight, but she's, she's at school, and so she's in Stellenbosch High School, and she's, she's in the youth. She always smiles. She's just like, she, she runs the, the, not the half marathon, the probably 3,000 meters, and, and I heard two kids at school say, I cannot believe that this girl always smiles, even when she runs the 3,000 meter. 2,500 meters into the race, she's smiling. Something must be wrong with her. Because do you know what? One of the things that will open up the hearts of unbelievers is their curiosity. Have you noticed that? (laughs) So Jesus knew this. Jesus knew this by speaking in parables. He didn't just say, I'm the Messiah. He, He basically just said it to three people. He never said he was the Messiah except to three people publicly. Because he knew there was going to be something that will be unlocked in the unbeliever's heart. They will be curious. And so you see the crowds following Jesus because they couldn't figure him out completely. And that's why he spoke in parables. He, he would give certain mysteries and then he wanted them to find out. Because there's something about the unbeliever or the world they finding that treasure themselves. And that's the craziest thing. We don't need to, to, to try to be God, to try and change people. We're we, we just sort of the, the messenger. We're just sort of the salt. We're not the message that you know that as Christians. But what does salt do? Salt makes you thirsty to find water. Salt preserves so the more, if I, if I eat a lot of salt on my meat, you know, 10 minutes down the line, I'm like, where's the water? Where's the water? And that's what Christians should do. <laughs> if you're not salty, the Bible says, you will be thrown outside and trampled underfoot by men. The church loses its flavor and its saltiness, and then the world walks over it. But the church and the Christian that is salty, people try to figure you out. They say, what is, what is different to her life? 
because she's got this joy, she's got this thankfulness, she's got, this, she's got a different way of living. She's got a peace that surpasses all understanding. Despite her circumstances, she still worships. Do you know, that's how I came to know the Lord. I, there was a teacher at school, and for, I think it was about six months. Now, I grew up in a religious home. There was never life, never, there was lots of values, and it was beautiful, but, you know, I carried the leader of the church home in the evenings on a Sunday night when he was just drunk. And I thought, like, this is hypocrisy. That didn't, like, you know, was, was a church leader of a very conservative place. And I, I thought, like, why? This guy preaches in the one moment, and the next moment he drinks in the consistory. And that freaked me out. I just wanted to run away from Christianity. But then there was one teacher, Mr. Smith, he was crazy. I thought he's fallen on his head. He woke out in the morning and just says, praise Jesus. And I thought like, praise Jesus. Bless the Lord. What? Yeah? And then I started to look at him. I thought like, there's something about this guy that is different. So I remember the one night, <laughs> there was these windows. And three of us, we would sneak up, because now these, the windows were looking into his room. We'd sneak up and we thought, we're going to catch him out because he cannot be so peaceful and so joyful. You know, his car would break down and they would say, praise the Lord. And I'd say, not praise the Lord. Get Volkswagen. You know, he never, he, and I thought like, something is wrong with this guy. And so he sneaked up, we looked through the windows. And there he's sitting on his bed with his guitar. With this smile. But the crazy thing is, while he's smiling, the tears are running down his face. And I'm thinking, like, how can you cry and laugh at the same time? But, but he had the presence of God over his life. And then after six months, I walked into, my, into his room. Just one night, I just opened the door. But I didn't even knock. Poof! I said, Mr. Smith, I want to tell you something. The Jesus that you serve and the Jesus that I serve is not the same Jesus. I want to know that Jesus. The 4th of April. And that's the day when I met the real Jesus. Because somebody was willing to live that lifestyle. Somebody operated from a peace, place of peace that surpassed all understanding. And that, that changed my life. <clears throat> and maybe it doesn't mean anything to you. Maybe you didn't have that experience with God. But you cannot forget moments like that. But you know, the world has crept into the church because <laughs> we try to define the church by the world's standards. We want more smoke screens. We want more stuff. We want more entertainment. And it hasn't really got a lot to do with the presence of God. But if we do God's things His way <laughs> and we live as holy people that are different and we learn these things, then something begins to change. The world will run to the church because they ate too much salt. My question is, how salty are you? Or are you just living for yourself? The challenge is, and it's just my own opinion, I think today, 9 out of 10 Christians receive the blessing from the Lord, they receive salvation, and they just walk off. But there's that one that returns. I want to be that one. 
I want to be that one when Jesus says to me, go show, show yourself to the priests, that the whole of the religious establishment in Jerusalem has to stand to attention and say, we have a problem. We have a big problem. The lepers are being healed. We have a big problem. We need to kill this guy or oh, he's already the Messiah. There's no other option. We have a big problem. Anybody else wants to be part of that, that one? I remember one day, and, and I'm not saying this to, to be weird or to be different, but one day I was praying and I, I said, God, why? You know, I was, I was sort of a bit discouraged. We as pastors, we sometimes get discouraged, especially when you give a lot and then people still come and criticize. And I was praying, I was praying, I said, God, why is not more people thankful? What, what is wrong with us? And this is what the Lord answered me. He said, if only one out of ten comes back to say thank you to me, don't expect more. And I thought, like, but this can't be. That's what he said. So that couple here at, on the summer camp, they blew my mind because I'm thinking, like, I don't need to rev them up to serve God. I don't need to rev them up to do something for Jesus. Some, um, you know, it's, they're standing in this little let's go coffee truck and it's hot and she's been making coffee for two hours or an hour and a half. And I walk up to her and I say, don't you just want to take a break, please? <laughs> she says, no, what a privilege to be able to learn how to make coffee because we can serve people and connect with them and people love coffee and it's a social place. And when I make coffee, I can pray over the coffee cup and I can give it to people and I can connect because there's a person there and their lives will change and they want to go to them. You know? And I'm thinking, but you're sweating, but you're sweating with a smile, you know. And I realize, like, you've got something different. The Lord is going to use you. And, and we're not talking about the outside of performance. We're talking about a condition of our hearts. You're either a worshiper or you're, and you're thankful or you're not. And that's where we have to challenge ourselves. And that's what the sermon is about. Because, hey... There's a lot of stuff, and I'm, I'm not going to go into that. I have a whole sermon prepared, but we, we're going we're gonna to stop now. Now, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just give to you the, the sort of the stuff, the challenges Nehemiah had. When the enemy comes to you, he was, there's a couple of things you can read it in chapter 4. They, they mocked Nehemiah. They said, who are you? How can you live like this? And, and as a Christian, you must expect that. Because Nehemiah has got this burden. He's just... He's just been so blessed with God, by God, by being a cupbearer in the king's palace. And then he's got, the Lord begins to show him stuff. And now he's starting to get around and he says, okay, there is a cause. There is a, there is a kingdom. There is a, there's a wall that needs to be rebuilt and, and we're going to do it. And then you know what? The people inside, the Israelites inside of Israel that are supposed to also have a burden for Jerusalem's reestablishment, they are the ones that come. And there's this one group that mocks Nehemiah. Who are you? <laughs> Who told you? <laughs> All to distract him. When that didn't work, they, they, they actually said, you're crazy. They, they started to like do this little play around there and say, you're a crazy man. You're crazy people. How can you ever think? And who gave you the permission to do that? The second group, then when it didn't happen, they came to threaten now they started to plot against Nehemiah. They tried to intimidate. Just come up from the wall. Because now they started to build. And, and it's people inside. It's not the enemy there. It's sometimes 
even people around us. <laughs> because fear and intimidation will, will break something. It will, it will bring a condition in your heart that will always make you want to withdraw. But have you ever seen somebody that's just received a gift or just like, whoa, they're so free because they can just say, hey, I want to tell the whole world about what Jesus did. And Nehemiah was one of those guys because he, he, he realized that his blessing was for a purpose. It was to rebuild. Then there was the other group, Sanballat and Tobiah. They, they, they wanted to distract. So they put up all these plots and these committees and these people and they just came in. They just wanted to distract Nehemiah from the purpose of God for his life. And you know, there's a lot of distractions that would come and want to steal your attention from spending time with God, from doing what God has called us to do. Distractions, whoa. Then there was a lot of other people that would came to discredit the integrity and the name. It's called slandering, skinner. It's, it's sometimes so funny to, to hear what people say about us as a church. And I actually rejoice in it. <laughs> and it's mostly so-called Christians. Just, have you heard those chauffeur people? They are like crazy. You have to go through like 10 steps. And then they choose a marriage partner for you. And then you hand over all this stuff. And they brainwash you. And I think like, hallelujah. That's actually a compliment. We brainwash people with the word of God. I mean, <laughs> that's like exciting, yeah? We're getting something right there. Let's brainwash them with the word of God. It will change their life forever, okay? But when people do that, and, and you must know that those things are all designed for a purpose. So don't be afraid when people speak bad stuff about you or about the church. Don't even lend your ears out to those things. Don't try to defend. Just build. Be a builder. Be a worshiper. Because those things are all designed to harden your heart, to make you get off the wall, get off what God has called us to do, to give all of your attention to that. So that you don't walk in your identity and authority. <laughs> and it's going to be challenged. The moment when you say yes, the moment when that leper comes back, you must know, whoa, game on. The devil is happy with you even going to heaven. But the moment when you say, I want to be a testimony to God. I want His glory to come. I want the world to see that Christ really lives, that He's really the Messiah. You're in for a challenge. And you know what? I'm going to say it with a lot of respect. Most of that challenge is a spiritual challenge, a spiritual warfare. But Jesus' greatest opposition came from religious lukewarm so-called Christians I'm asking myself if 75% of South Africa says they're Christian then I don't know what the definition of a Christian is like then this nation should have looked different long ago would you agree with me the greatest opposition in our nation is the church that is compromised if the church, if my people would humble themselves, repent, turn back to me, turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves, and I will come in and heal their land. The key to the healing of South Africa is not in a political system, it's not in how great we are and how great things, it's when the church repents. 
when the church, when the condition of the heart of the church is restored, where we have eyes for one, and that's the bridegroom. Sure. The last group came with greed, injustice. They would try to bring division in the camp. And so the story of Nehemiah is such a beautiful story of how, and it's a picture of how the devil wants to steal that heart of the individual and the heart of the church. <laughs> and that's why when you enter into, and whenever you would go into the temple or when you would start to worship, you always had to go through thanksgiving, the gate of thanksgiving. There was no other way. So let me read one more scripture. Can I read one more scripture? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I've got lots of other scriptures to read. Close the doors, okay? Tomorrow is public holiday, so we'll be here till 12 o'clock, okay? Nehemiah 8, verse 10. <clears throat> now the people are weeping. The word of God has been read. Now how they built the wall was the, they had to stand up in the wall and some had to fight and some, you had, you had a sword in the one hand and it, like this truffle in the other hand where you had to build and fight. Build and fight, build and fight. Not just fight, not just build. You had to do both. And every family was set apart in a specific area in this wall. And that was the quickest way. That's why the church, it's a picture of the church where everyone in church must do ministry. Everyone must find their place. Because the guy standing as the usher greeting people is just as important. It's it actually got a greater function than the person standing here on the pulpit sharing the word. What I'm doing is not more spiritual than the guy sitting there, Tony, on the camera. Because if he doesn't sit there, then there's a lot of people in Germany and in the East and in the Middle East that cannot watch what you're getting tonight. Because there are people streaming in. His function is different than mine. equal are you with me and when the church grasped that it's not like his is not spiritual and mine is spiritual the guy who prays in front is spiritual but his is not spiritual because he's just backing a chair or doing no everything we do is unto god so when i can pack the chair it is a privilege because i have the privilege to pack this chair <laughs> For somebody to come and sit here to meet with the Lord. And when I pack the chair, I pray over the chair. I say, Lord, the person that's going to sit here, bless them. Where's the usher that's supposed to sit here? But in any case, so, because I also realized that most of the church in the world do not even have the opportunity to come together like we can come tonight. Most of the church have to hide secretly in a little house, in a bunker, somewhere, and cannot even worship out loud. So for me, just to be able to come to church where there's a band and there's open doors and there's people serving me, it is the most amazing privilege ever. Because 60% of the church of Jesus Christ cannot worship Him like we do. So now suddenly it doesn't, it's not a right or a choice I can really make. It's a response of thankfulness. Thank you, Jesus that I'm one of the privileged in your church to be able to gather and fellowship with other Christians every Sunday. So you don't want, do you know what? It's not a duty for me. Some people say, oh, you have an off Sunday, so stay away from church. I can't, because I've been in the Middle East. 
where it takes you four hours to get into that little bunker and another four to get out. So church, you plan church for 12 hours at least. And then you can't even worship with the instrument because they'll hear you and you'll be in prison. So once you've been there, once you've seen that, then you start to realize like, wow, every opportunity that I have to meet with God and meet with these people, what a privilege. I'm thankful. I don't need to be and try and it's just a response. <laughs> it's getting very quiet. Nehemiah 8 verse 10, then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet. So now they're mourning, they're weeping. And send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's, it's actually this funny picture because the guys are weeping before God. And then Nehemiah comes in and he says, you've just brought your heart to God. And then in that context, he says, and the joy of the Lord will be your strength. We quote so many scriptures out of context. We say, oh, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Jump up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these guys were flat on their face. They were broken. They were weeping. They were repenting. And they were going crazy. <laughs> this is wonderful. That's the joy of the Lord. Because it's not about emotion. It's not about you feeling good. It's about the word of God that prospers and the city is restored. Then suddenly joy has got another concept. It's not about laughing or happiness or anything like that. It's about the fulfillment of God's word in your life and through your life. And then many times the joy of the Lord will be full of weeping. where you just weep because you're so glad of what God has done. Because it's a deep condition of the heart that God brings up. Can the band please come up? We're gonna, we're gonna be a bit thankful to the Lord. And we're gonna choose to be thankful. We're gonna ask God, the Lord to make us thankful. Because Nehemiah says, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Suddenly your joy becomes something different. It's not an individual thing. It's because God's kingdom has come. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.